This is the Illuminate Podcast, a Sandy Boy production. Each week on the Illuminate Podcast, the hosts will bring you insightful conversations and stories of people who are illuminating their own lives through their business, work, community, family, and world. And today, we're talking to my friend, Jess Hoffheimer. In this conversation, we hear all about Jess's story of life and how she explored things that brought her joy. It's not your traditional, quote, career conversation. In fact, I think that's my favorite part about this conversation. Jess breathes and believes. It's never wrong because it's just what she's doing right now. And what I love about these conversations is that we get to illuminate what Jess has created as a creative, as a coach, as a human. And through this conversation, whether or not you are a runner, whether or not you are creative, those just happen to be movement and art, Jess's things. Whatever your thing is, that's what we talk about in this conversation. How do you turn your thing into the thing? We also talk about the importance of practice and man, Jess gives the best definition and examples of what to do when you just can't get back to practicing something. It's a great conversation. It's super inspiring and it was really fun illuminating Jess and all that she does with Pace of Me. You know, you can always find out more. Check out the Illuminate website and thank you so much for listening. I won't talk anymore. Let's hear from Jess. Hey Jess. Hi. I'm so excited. You have to tell the listeners who you are because I'm pumped to talk to you. I'm pumped to unpack your incredible business pace of me and to talk about the importance and the process of practicing. But tell the listener, who is Jess? <laughs> who is Jess? Well, um, I am, there's so many different places I could go first, but I think I will say that I am a mom to three kids and two dogs. <laughs> Just got a brand new puppy last week. And um, I am a running coach and a runner, and I make art for runners. Uh, I don't know. That's that's a lot of who I am. <laughs> okay, so you have three kiddos. You have to start there. What are yeah. their ages and what are their names? Oh, so my oldest is 17. She, her name is Abby, and she is a senior in high school, getting ready to like. She's just sent all her college applications out. Mm-hmm. Tis the um, season. So it's a big. I can't even believe it. That's where we are. Um, and then my young, my older of my two sons is Will, and he is 16. He's a sophomore in high school, and. Um, just got his like learner's permit. So we're doing the driving driving thing. thing. Okay. <laughs> and then my youngest name is Gus and he is 11 and he just started middle school. Oh, so. I love that age. Okay. So that's the age I work with in my community ensembles is right when they first start middle school up through when they graduate high school to kind of help through that transition. Wow. Dudes in middle school are so much fun. So oh much fun. He is, he is, he, and he's my youngest. So, I mean, he's always been full of surprises, (laughs) but yeah, this is, this is a pretty fun time. Sixth grade. It's a good one. And what about your kids? Did they run or do any sports or any arts? 
So they're all, so my, my two boys are big soccer players. They love soccer. Um, my older son is playing varsity soccer, um, for his high school. That season just finished, but that was, that was like so exciting. Um, and then he and Gus, the younger one, they play like travel club soccer. So they're really into it. They'll run with me. Um, but again, it's more, because they love soccer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think, I mean, Gus talks about, he, he talks about wanting to like run someday, run a marathon, run. I think Will probably will too. They, they don't hate it. Um, my daughter, I think she kind of hates it. <laughs> it's just not for her. I mean, she's my biggest cheerleader. I get texts from her and she'll make signs before my races and has always been that way since she was little. But we did do like a, I helped coach a, it's like the equivalent to girls on the run um, for her Mm -hmm. elementary school when she was in like second through fourth grade. And she loves the social aspects of sport, like the community parts of it. Um, But she would like prefer walking when we did that which there were tons of girls that did that. Um, and then like she played soccer and basketball and all those things. But again, it was like more about the fun part of it, mm-hmm. which wasn't that she's not competitive in that way. So well, she was extremely creative, like that. Uh, like your, yeah, yeah, very, very you're speaking my language over here. Like just be warned. <laughs> I was yeah. not competitive or yeah. into any type of sports until my 20s. I had zero desire. I'm like, oh, we can socialize walking. We can socialize Uh doing a million other things. I shall never run. And now we're like marathoning all the time. So don't rule it out yet. It's possible. I just want them to find ways to move their body that bring them joy. And so I would never like with her, it was kind of like, I, I, I wanted to, you know, help encourage that. And so it was fun to co-coach the girls program and she wanted, I didn't like make her do it, but, and so when she wanted to do the walking in the back part, like that was awesome, you know, cause she was having fun. So, um, you know, that's all that matters. And, you know, I didn't like running until I was an adult either. So yes, adult runners, <laughs> yeah, yeah. there's still time, but yeah. you're right. There's so many other ways to so much fun walking. One of the run clubs in our town is just one of my favorite places to go because it's really competitive runners. And then these people that come and have so much fun walking I love and they that. are there for the walking and it feels like such a family feel. So I say that because this is not just about running. It's just one of the ways that hey. practice makes perfect. Yeah. Your daughter's artistic, like drawing, painting, what's her thing? Everything. She does it all. Um, and like one thing that I didn't do as a young person, cause it wasn't a thing was like, she'll draw on the iPad, like with procreate. Um, and so, I mean, she's designed t-shirts, uh, for her class for every year. She's a senior now and she's in student council and really active and, um, the student government leadership and like for prom, she helped organize that last year as a junior and she designed the invitations and the Ooh. t-shirts for different, you know, they have like powder puff and seeing all the classes have their shirts and all that. So she, is like, it's really cool to see her do like digital design too. Um, but yeah, she, she just has a creative brain and she has so much fun. So you see like pieces of yourself in all these places. Mm -hmm. Were you always an artist growing up? I, I mean, I don't, I still, 
I've really tried to like own that term artist. I mm. think like everybody is an artist and it's, it's actually neat. Cause there's parallel with like saying you're a runner, you know, some people are like, well, no, I'm not a runner, but I mean, I just, I run sometimes, you know, but then it's like, okay, so aren't you a runner if you run? Um, and then it's similar with like art, you know, I don't have any formal training in art. It's all just what, since I was a little girl, I was obsessed with pens and markers and art supplies, paint and loved, you know, any opportunity to, to create and play with those materials. Um, and I would practice in my bedroom. I remember just like sitting on the floor with my sketchbook and practicing my handwriting and playing with, you know, deck making like um, I would decorate envelopes for my friends. Cause like, of course this is before there's like, you know, email. <laughs> Valid point. I hadn't thought about that. <laughs> letters to each other. And I would, my friends, I mean, I went back home to Nashville where I had spent some of my like formative years. Um, my daughter, I took my daughter there this summer the, on a girl's trip. And we visited some of my, my girlfriends from that time in my life. And my friend Courier was like, I still have the envelopes you sent me. <laughs> uh, so awesome. yeah, I just, it was more, yeah, it was like an expression and a passion, I think, but, uh, yeah, it's been just part of me for as long as I can remember. It's so interesting. Cause you say get creative and I amuse, immediately go with the music side of that. Okay. Uh-huh. Like immediately I'm like, I would never would have practiced my handwriting. Like I don't even <laughs> like to write now, but you stick me behind a piano and I would spend hours growing up just practicing every little tiny thing. I, you know, I think that's kind of where I want to go with this conversation sure. and part of why I wanted to talk to you and illuminate what you're doing because I feel like you are such the epitome of you put in the time and you do the practice with art. You do the practice with running. And that's so inspiring for people that are watching your Instagram journey. So first of all, tell us about your business pace of me. Okay. Um, so, I mean, it, it really started, uh, gosh, I'm going to date myself with so many things that I say today, but, um, you know, it was before Instagram was a thing and people were writing blogs. And, um, so I think it was like maybe 2009 ish. Um, and I had, I, my running journey began back in 2000, really like 1999, 2000, when I was like a newly graduated college student and for the first time, like supporting myself and, you know, working and on a student, I mean, not a student, but on a like new, um, young professionals salary. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. And I, you know, was, coming out of that phase of my life, I had developed habits in college that were not, not healthy and not, not healthy just from like a physical standpoint, but I was really depressed and struggled with, with that in college. Some of it was definitely situational. I lost a really dear person in my life during college. Um, when I was in my third year of school and coping with that was like, to this day, one of the most painful things I've ever had to go through. And, you know, I was 20 years old, so Mm -hmm. I sort of like, wasn't really sure how to cope with that. And I turned to like things like alcohol, staying up late, smoking cigarettes, um, drink, you know, I think I said drinking, I think I told you I was president of a drinking society. Oh yeah. You were were president of a drinking society. 
Yeah, that about that. So yeah, but I mean, and it's when I think about that time, you know, and like I said, I have a daughter that's about to go into college. Um, and I just didn't have the tools to support myself or really even the knowledge of who I was or what I was going through. Um, and I think like I just turned to things that, you know, kind of helped me numb some of the maybe pain that I was in that I didn't even necessarily understand. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to college, you know, I was like a big soccer player and kind of very type A and then things, everything just got turned upside down and and shaken up. And I really just didn't feel connected to who I was and I wasn't happy. Um, but after college, when I was like getting on my own two feet, I was pretty fed up with like those habits and like behaviors that I had fallen into. They weren't serving me probably ever, but I think you know, at the time I thought they were, um, cause they allowed me to escape what I really needed to face. So, um, I, I just started to run. I was like, okay, you know, I can't afford a gym membership. I used to be able to run like when I was a, uh, you know, soccer player. <laughs> and so, and I actually joined like a, a women's, like recreational soccer team too in Washington after, after college at the same time. And just to try to like find myself again, because I remembered feeling good about myself when I participated in sport before college. Um, so anyway, I, that carried me through a lot of, of years of my life, like in a much better, like, I think I built confidence that changed my life running marathons and, Um, you know, then I started to become a mother and my career changed. And, um, after my second child was born, I had been working full time and, um, my kids, my oldest kids are only 16 and a half months apart. And I sort of like unbeknownst to me, I think I've been contemplating this a lot, but like, I fell into what I believe was like a postpartum depression. Mm -hmm. You know, Mm -hmm. I, got pregnant with my second child when my first one was just eight months old. I was still breastfeeding. My body didn't really feel like mine yet. Cause I was like nursing one baby and growing another and working a full-time job. And it's one of those things where you look back and you're like, Whoa, I did that. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Um, but I feel like I was holding on by a thread in so many ways. Um, my younger child spent time in the NICU and, you know, I don't know. I'm like, how did I, I just like, wasn't drowning. (laughs) Um, But as a result, like I wasn't running, I wasn't doing anything really to take care of myself, except for like the bare minimum, you know, it was like my children, my marriage, my job. Um, But I did leave that job um, because it just got to be too hard to do it all. Um, and then, uh, we, I actually got pregnant again and had a miscarriage and I just felt like everything was like very hard at that phase in my life. Um, and Will was born in 2006 and we moved in 2008. So it was like two years of like toddler, you know, two toddlers that baby toddler, baby, two toddlers, pregnancy, pregnancy loss, And I was walking my babies in a double stroller that I never ran with. (laughs) And I met a girl um, by the, we went to feed the ducks (laughs) and I met a girl that was there with her double running stroller. And she was just like this 
amazing inspiration to me. And she was so happy to meet another mom that had a running stroller. And I was like, yeah, but I like don't run anymore. Like I was so depressed and she didn't know me at all, but she's now like one of my dearest friends. Um, and she actually has a, a blog and she was writing about her running and it really just made me feel seen. And it made me feel a sense of hope. Like, oh, wow. oh that part of me is still there. Like I can do this. And so I started to write and I was like, well, one day I was like on a run and I'm like, what do I call this thing? <laughs> and I came up, I just, you know, running is a very creative endeavor. I find like if, mm-hmm. if that flow state and like ideas come to you mm-hmm. um, and that that's, I don't know, it came to me and I was like, it didn't have, no one had the URL or whatever. And so I took it. And, um, I won't ever forget one person who I even, I work with her now, but at the time she was like, piece of me. That's really cool. It's like Britney Spears piece of me. And I was like, (laughs) Oh no, (laughs) not what I was going for. I'm a huge Britney Spears fan and I did not ever get that from your pace of me. I'm like, yes, a pace that's all mine. What is this about? Like, that's where I went with that. And like, it really, it just, I found like it worked so well because it's not just like what pace I'm running and that that's mine and that that will change and evolve. But like, it's the pace of my life. That's always changing. You know, sometimes Mm -hmm. I need it to be one way and then I'll fall into it being a different way. And, you know, it's, um, you know, is always always changing and it it is it's mine and that's what matters you know it's never wrong because it's mine um and so I that's how pace of me came to be um and into that journey eventually like I I was realizing in my own running that there were things I'd been doing wrong for years and so I wanted to invest in my own like growth. And I went to do a coaching certification, honestly, not even thinking that I would like coach other people. I think I just thought at the time, like "Ah, I needed to do that for me. And so I, um, went and did that. And then I found out I was pregnant with Gus and, um, had to defer the marathon. I was ready to like implement all this awesome new knowledge with, Mm-hmm. And my sister was doing like, we lived in the same town and she was doing like a training plan through our local running club. And there was a man there who uh, was just really struggling. He had a very busy job. He couldn't do a lot of the planned things with the club. And my sister was like, well, you sounds like you need a running coach and I have the perfect person for you. And so uh-huh. he like called me and she was like, I have your first client for you. And I was like, um, <laughs> well, I didn't, wasn't expecting that, you know, when I was pregnant and had two other kids and, but I, I mean, it was it that, that was so awesome. His name was Paul and, um, being part of his running journey was so cool. And on the day before his marathon, he gave me a present and it was a whistle and he had engraved on it, coach Jess, on one side and on the other side, breathe and believe. Cause that was like a mantra that I had, um, used for myself and with my sister and with Paul. Um, and I just, it just meant so much. And I was like, yeah, I'm, this is, this is what I'm 
meant to be doing. Um, and so that's how the coaching business, that's where it started. And that was back in uh, like 2010. Yeah. Gosh. This is a beautiful story, Jess. First, thank you for sharing it. I have cut my lips closed. I have four follow-up like questions. No, I love it. Stories it was so the fun. perfect story. So I want to go rewind all the way back to when you just decided to put on your running shoes right out of college in your, yeah. you know, early professional. How? Like, did you just grab your shoes and go? Like, what does someone do who's in that spot? Like, you're stuck. Yeah. You're not happy with life. How? So I, I mean, what I remember was that I went to a wedding in Nashville where I had gone, like we moved there when I was 14 and I went, I lived there for seven years. And so all my high school friends are are from there. And Robert, my husband now, he was my boyfriend at the time, but we went to Nashville for a wedding and there was a, a really good friend of mine, um, who was on the cheerleading squad for me. Cause I was a basketball cheerleader in high school and sh- her name's Rachel and she's amazing. And she was never like, you know, one of the athletes in our high school. She didn't play any sports, you know? Um, I mean, we did cheerleading, but which I, I, that is a sport, but the way we did it, it really wasn't <laughs> like, I can't, I just, I've never been able to do the splits or any, like my cartwheels are terrible. Like it was more, we were like, so peppy. yeah, I just, I can't, but I'm really peppy. <laughs> yes. I got that on lockdown. <laughs> really good at clapping and screaming um, and like decorating their lockers and doing the signs and stuff. So anyway, Rachel was like me, like I saw myself and her from the standpoint of that aspect but like I played soccer, I played tennis, I played indoor soccer. I was, I was competitive in high school in those ways. Um, and Rachel wasn't, and she ran a marathon and I was like, she, you ran a marathon. And she had this book that she used called how to train for and run your best marathon. And I saw it when we were there and I was like, okay. And that was probably like early April. And by the end of April, I had purchased the book for myself and I read it cover to cover and I highlighted it and I was like, okay. And now I will tell you, I didn't know how far a marathon was. <laughs> I mean, I think I did, but I didn't know they were all the same distance. So I never make fun of those people because no, I, no, I never do either. It's 26.2 no. miles, but they're never yeah. exactly spot on, which is also true, something true. you don't learn. So it's like 26 ish. Yeah. Yeah. But I just, I didn't know. And so those people that are like, how far is your marathon? Like that was me, Mm -hmm. (laughs) you know, it just was a big word. And it was like something, you know, that was so foreign to me and knew it was running for very far. Um, and so I got this book and I then started to train and it was all based on minutes, not miles. And I really liked that because the thought of like, so many miles was terrifying to me. But if I broke it down in my head, like my first run was like, I want to say it was 10 minutes. It might've been 20. I I should go back and look. I did out and back. And I was like, okay, if I can run one direction for five or 10 minutes, turn around, like going back, no problem. Like I just had to get halfway, (laughs) you know, whereas like, if it was, longer than that from a mileage standpoint, I think I would have really been intimidated. So I, I did that. I mean, I, yeah, I went to like a regular store, like, I don't know, it was probably like 
a sporting goods store, not a run specialty mm-hmm. store. I remember or finding what Roadrunner Sports was and ordering like those split shorts and <laughs> yeah, the first pair of shorts with underwear in them. But I think you've given us so many tips here. Like you have to see yourself being able to get out of that funk. Mm-hmm. You have to do the research or ask the questions. I mean, you've asked the questions to a book, but you could also ask the questions to a friend and then you just did it in small bite-sizable chunks. I mean, your first run was 10 minutes. How long was your yeah. first marathon? Over five and a half hours. It was like 535 or 536. It was really far, um, really long. And uh, I mean, my I wanted to do another one right after that. Like, you know, it was, even though it was grueling. And actually it was Philadelphia, which is this. It's this weekend. Yeah, that's so cool. Okay, yeah. so- First things first, we're learning from the story of Jess is be willing to try something to get out of whatever stuck spot you're in Yeah, and then do the work to find it. And then next question I had. So you talked about just getting home from meeting this person in the park. And I just want to acknowledge a random person in the park sparked a fire. (laughs) Do you know how many times we have the opportunity to be the random person in the park that sparks the fire and not even know it? Totally true. I love that. It's oh so- my goodness. I'm going to change my mindset. I mean, there's tourists all over where I live. And oh, every yeah. once in a while, I get a little bit snarky because they take up the whole sidewalk. But <laughs> you never know. I might be the spark. I'm going to totally change my mindset. Thank you. Yeah, for that. and they might spark you. I mean, everyone has a story. And Dorothy is my friend's name. And she, um, she tells the story really differently, like in that I changed her perspective and her. <sighs> life. And so, you know, it's just, there's so much to be gained from like allowing yourself to be vulnerable, um, you know, and just like opening up to, if that, I mean, she felt warm to me. Do you know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. I thought this other mom, and of course I was like, wow, like she was so fit and adorable and like happy, (laughs) you know? Um, but it was just us, like, feeding the ducks. And I was feeding the ducks popcorn with my kids because my son was allergic to bread at the time. And so that was like, I think part of what got us talking because she was curious about, um, you know, why we were feeding the ducks popcorn. (laughs) Do ducks like popcorn? I've never thought of that before. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't, I mean, I I never felt like they didn't want to eat it. They're pretty I think they liked it. (laughs) Okay. That's hilarious. We did it all the time. (laughs) Okay. So popcorn and ducks. Good to know. I'm going to keep that in mind next time I bring my nieces and nephews to do something. Okay. (laughs) So you take one small step at a time to get out of the funk. You imagine the next place by asking questions. You never know who you might spark or who might spark you. And then you just started writing. Like I wrote a dissertation to get my doctorate and I just never in my life would just like sit down and start writing your blog yeah. just came because you decided so, to start writing. I, mean, I was an English major in college. Okay. So Good, okay. It makes love, you feel a smidge better. Yeah, I was an English major. And I really, I mean, I did that because I didn't know what else to do. And I loved to read and write. Mm-hmm. So it was kind of like, I started out as an architecture major and quickly, like in that first year, even though I still like, I'm so passionate about architecture, what I'm not passionate about is engineering and um, like the whole math and engineering side of that. 
that was a big turnoff for me. I just, I've always been like capable in those subjects, but I was pretty quick to be happy to be done with those requirements in my education. And so after I realized like that wasn't what I wanted to pursue anymore, which was like in some ways devastating because that's what I was envisioning for myself. And I went to school specifically for that in my first year. Um, you know, I had lots of ideas, but ultimately couldn't make up my mind and was like, English it is, <laughs> you know? Yeah. Um, so that part of it. And then in addition to that, since I was like around my son Gus's age, like middle school age, I started journaling and I mean, stacks and stacks of books. So it didn't now putting it out there to the world is very different, of course, than like it being a private practice kind of thing. Um, but it was, I, I found community there, you know, mm-hmm. and I was like a stay at home mom at the time. I mean, I was entrepreneurial, but honestly, I was pretty need, pretty much needing community and an outlet. And I found it through that. So, um, that's why I just started writing. Even at first, no one was reading it, you know, it didn't mm-hmm. really. Matter. So, but that, that gives us our third thing. So we have just take one small step out to don't be afraid of being sparked or sparking and then <laughs> do something that makes you happy. Even if it's sometimes it's in your vein, like for you, it was in your English vein, but it might be outside of your vein. Like, were you super yeah. techie with how to start a blog? Did you know how to do that? No. <laughs> No, not at all. My husband has been very helpful um, with all of that still is. I mean, I constantly like, cause now my website has like art on it and I do my athletes subscribe to my coaching. Like at first I would just like, I think in the beginning, I just used like PayPal um, Mm -hmm. for that. And so no, I, I, I still like, I have to outsource some of it cause I don't like I don't like technology very much. <laughs> it just, I mean, I'm, like I said, I'm capable enough, but it's not like something I want to practice a ton. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Practice. We're getting there. Practice in our business. <laughs> but the fourth thing I think is so beautiful in your story is you go to get this run coaching to make your running experience better. And again, if you're listening to this and you're not a runner, that's not the point here. It's you sought out education to be better at something for yourself. And then an opportunity came and a client came your way and you took it. Like yeah. you just, you were like, okay, let's try it. Let's see. You send it to me universe. Let's go. Like not the, the, the trepidation is just so beautiful to see that you didn't have that. You were just like, well, I'll try this now. Yeah. And, well, and someone, cool. someone feels like they, you know, they're trusting me and they want, my help. And so that feels really good, you know, and I, I think you get so much out of like, it's, it goes both ways when you give of yourself and you share, um, it comes back to you and that's not why you do it, but, um, it feels like safer and like, um, what more, maybe more meant to be like, okay, you know, what do I have to lose? Like, there's a reason this feels right. Yeah, that feeling of rightness. Okay, so we've gotten through how Jess got to Pace of Me, how Pace of Me was started. You have these coaches, you're writing again, or you have these athletes that you're coaching, you're writing uh-huh. again. Where does the art piece come to play? 
So with re my art, like sort of facet of my business is called We Run on Art. And, um, I, I had, I've always wanted to like pursue some sort of creative, um, endeavor that, you know, allows me to sort of fill my own cup and, um, put things out in the world that might be meaningful to other people, bring them joy. Um, and so, and (laughs) I have to go back also because when I was, um, like newly getting engaged and and stuff like that again before right after I like not long after I started to run probably maybe two one or two years after I started to run um I was living in DC and one of my best friends since I was nine years old was living down the street from me her name is Marguerite and she so she knew she knows me very well and she knows me going back to when we were little girls. And so she got a lot of those letters <laughs> with all the drawings on the envelopes over my house. And we would draw and practicing our handwriting together. Um, like I, I just remember our sleepovers, we would like draw. Um, but yeah, so anyway, she, came to me. She was, she went to college with me too. And she was in the engineering school and is, she's a techie. She's so good at that. And she came to me and she was like, let's make cards. Let's make like greeting cards and you do all the artwork and we can scan your artwork in and I'll take care of all the like techie stuff and we'll print them and then we'll hand adorn them. So she and I and another friend of ours, Stephanie, who um, we all lived like within a block and a half of each other. Stephanie and Marguerite were actually neighbors in the same building. The three of us started a company and we called it I Wish I May. And we it was so fun. Like we did. We hand like glittered our, our little cards and we went to the National Stationery Show. We were in some retail stores. And my job was like the creative piece. Like we would brainstorm together like our seasonal cards and, you know, all the ideas. And then I would do the art and then Marguerite would take care of like scanning in and make, you know, using like um, Photoshop and Illustrator to make the images look better, you know, like more clean and printable. Um, And then together we would like fold the cards and package the cards. And Stephanie was like our salesperson and she would go and like show them our portfolio. Anyway, Um, it was really fun. And we all had like job jobs, you know, that were like actually paying our rent and stuff. Um, and we were all like, you know, we were all dating or engaged to the men we wound up marrying at the time. And it was just like a really sweet time in our lives. And, um, unfortunately though, Stephanie was diagnosed with breast cancer and, um, we continued like, and she actually, when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, she also found out she was pregnant with their first baby. Mm-hmm. Um, and so Stephanie and Mark got married before Marguerite and I married our husbands. <laughs> and like, I think it was like within six months of their wedding, she was pregnant. They were buying a new house. Um, her son, Sam, whose name is actually like the um, initials of her name. Um, he was born and then Stephanie went straight into like chemo and radiation after he was born and she went into remission. Um, and we, we kept 
I wish I made going through that. And then I, I feel like Sam was like a year, maybe like a year and a half. And she came to me and Marguerite and she was like, you know, I just think I want to just be a mom, like just, you know, but, um, and Marguerite was like, and by then we were married, Marguerite and I were married Mm -hmm. to our husbands and, you know, we were working our full-time jobs and she was like, yeah, I think I don't want to do it anymore either. And they were like, but Jess, you got to keep doing this, like keep it alive, you know? And I just didn't really want to, like, I was like, I I bought them out, which it was not a lot of money. Like I could afford to do that. And so I had all the supplies from, I wish I may. And I did, that was like a time all my friends were like getting married, having babies. And so I was like a save the date person, you know, baby announcements, wedding announcements, um, holiday cards. And I rebranded it to be called little big dog because we had a little dog that thought she was like a big dog. And so I drew her face as the little logo. Um, and it wasn't actually officially a company, by the way, like I wish I may was like, we were legit, but for me, it was just kind of like, I did it all for like my friends and stuff, mm-hmm. but I had my own thing. And, um, you know, this is all of course happening during like, then I became a mom and everything. Yeah. That parallel universe of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but after I had my miscarriage like that, um, that happened in the summer of 2008. Um, I, my, my friend Stephanie passed away and that was like, that was part of why I fell into like that deeper depression, you know, in conjunction with having the miscarriage and having two little, you know, kids and leaving my job because of all of that. Um, but I feel like as I began running more and kind of coming out of that, um, I, I, I mean, I had the cutest little toddlers and I was like, and my husband didn't want to have any more kids. He was like, you know, that was really hard. We have two healthy children. Like, let's, let's be done. And that was really hard for me at first because I just thought of us as a family of five. Um, and so, but I mean, I did, I accepted that I went forward with my running coach certification. I actually started to teach Pilates as well. And like movement was very healing for me. And then as we talked about earlier, it's a creative space as well. Mm-hmm. And I, since I was a little girl, we, um, we go to the beach every summer in Bethany beach, Delaware. And there was a little ice cream shop there. It was the ice cream parlor. It was called the Bethany beach ice cream parlor. And it was like in my dreams of like, or my memories of childhood, this place was like magical. And I, you'd open the door and I can like still hear the jingle of the bell when the door opens and the floor was like concrete, but it always had sand on it. We never wore shoes and they had like the swirly chairs and smelled like ice cream sodas and candy and, you know, but they had this uh, chart of all their flavors, like right by the front door. And it was Florida. I swear the ceiling, it probably wasn't that high, but I was little and I have three sisters. And I just remember like the four of us running in at the start of the summer and we'd be like, what flavor am I this year? And oh. we would stand up against it and be like, Oh my gosh, I'm Rocky road. Like, yes, like I finally made it to mint chip or whatever. And so I, 
wanted that for my little kids. Like we had this unfinished basement in our house and I hung twinkle lights all around it and hung like their art projects from the ceiling, you know, cause it was just like totally unfinished. Um, and I painted the floor with like floor paint and I just like, didn't care what happened in there. It was like a place to be messy. And so actually the desk, this table, that's my desk was the table in there and it's covered in paint. And I just, I, I could, I searched everywhere for this ice cream growth chart and I couldn't find one. And so I was like, well, mama's making it. And so I made this, it goes up to six feet and it's like full of ice cream flavors. And my, my daughter was like maybe three or four and Will was maybe like two or three. And so they were talking and just so cute and clever. And so we came up with some like traditional flavors. And then we have like Superman and the blueberry beast and it's goofy. It has it's paint and it has like gems glued on and like those little tubular um beads that look like yeah. sprinkles and glitter and it's like so fun. And so I hung it up in our playroom that in that unfinished business basement, which is actually where I wound up having my treadmill too. And people will come over to play and they're like, where did you get that thing? And I'm like, oh, I made it. (laughs) Yeah, because you, it's like, yeah, it's just a project, no big deal. You know, and so my, I mean, my nieces and nephews and everybody, you know, I have neighbors names on there and we're like not even in touch with them anymore because we've moved to another state and they were like two years old, but like everybody loved it. And so I started to paint them for people. Um, and then I had so many orders, I couldn't keep up with it. And so I like had this idea one day, um, because I had all the supplies for my wish I may, all the paper and all the glitter. And I was like, maybe if I make my drawing into a stencil, I can cut paper scoops out and glue them on and can decorate the paper, like make streamline it, you know, yeah. it's like, and I'm bringing the history of I wish I may into this and like honoring Stephanie in a way that like, just felt really like, I, I don't know, it, it was, it just happened. And so I had a new company called Sugar Cone. <laughs> I think we're up to company three now, four, three, four, five. For, that was number two, because I, I, didn't have pace of me yet. I don't think. Okay. I mean, okay. Not, but I didn't think of it as a company yet. It okay. Didn't what, it was just like, your blog. Yeah. It was like my blog. <laughs> <laughs> I know. I feel sometimes I'm like, oh my gosh, I just been all over the place. But one thing I will say now that I, I'm 46, almost 47 and I have three kids and I'm just so glad I didn't get in my own way too much. And like, I let myself, you know, throw the paint on the wall and like, give it a go because there always has been or not so much anymore, but it does still happen. But like a voice in my head, that's like, you're not sticking with what you started with. Like you didn't start as an architect, you started as an architect, but you didn't stick with that. Then, you know, I was in corporate sales and I, I mean, I was successful. I was always like going beyond my goals, getting to win trips and big bonuses. And, you know, I could do, it was almost like, I was like, as soon as I felt like I was like, okay, I'm good at this. I'd get scared. And I'd like, switch lanes, you know? Um, but I was following my heart mm-hmm. and, you know, it was like, I would, but I would be like, gosh, like, you know, I quit, I, I quit. I wish I may. 
And then I started sugar cone and that eventually it got, it got to be too much for me. Like I, that we were in, um, like baby stores and, you know, we had a website. And so it was like, I I couldn't make the charts and I didn't want to like source production somewhere else, you know, and then simultaneously, like what was happening with my running, what was happening with my coaching, Mm -hmm. you know, that was really taking up in my Pilates teaching, you know, like I started following that path. So sugar cone, I just, I couldn't do it anymore. So I like put it away. So fast forward to, I think it was like maybe 2019. It had been quite a while since I'd been doing something creative, like from a work standpoint. And what happens for me is like, I am so busy. And so if I'm not doing um, my, and this is still something I'm working on, but it's like with creative passion, um, something like you can see my bunnies, like I paint these bunnies every month. And I have been doing that for like six years and I love to paint and draw. Um, but like these rabbits that I paint, like I have so many of them. It's just for me, it's really fun, but I'm like, they don't do anything. Like they're just, Like, and then I feel sort of like I'm indulging and like, I, how can I afford for like my creative, um, energy to not give back to my family somehow, like for it not to generate income for it, not to like impact the world some other way, you know? Um, and so I'm still, that's something I'm working on, but I think with, we run on art, you know, I had this idea to, I wanted to bring the creative stuff back into my work. And I love, like I said earlier, every runner has a story because we're human. All of us have a story and they're so beautiful and inspiring and unique. Um, and yet as unique as they are, they're so relatable. Like, uh, you know, I wanted to tell people's stories through art. And so I thought, well, I'll just like start by making, um, some pieces of my friends running and my friends, like maybe it was a picture of from a race or, you know, an achievement or something special or a picture of us together and like tell that story through a piece of art that can like represent that for a longer, you know, period of time. Um, and my friends were like, this is awesome. Like you should do this. And (laughs) scary, but I was like, okay, I'll just, I'll put it out there. And then it evolved. And you know what? I'm making cards and prints, which also like harkens back to full circle. And so, you know, it's, I'm doing stuff I love and I'm, there's always that part of my brain that's like, yeah, you know, you could be doing it this way or that way and be more focused on sales or things. But I'm like, Mm -hmm. that's not, that takes the joy out of it for me. So yes. I'm see, I'm so glad you say that because there's just, there's a million things we can take away from this right here that you're sharing. You're, you're not afraid to let it go. It might loop back. It might not, mm-hmm. but you continue to pursue what brings you joy. And I think that so often we get caught in that mind game of, well, you should be, you should be, who's the yeah. should be. Yeah. I mean, you're, yeah. you're doing such a great job of, living into the reality of what brings you joy. Can we talk before we go on to about practice? Cause I feel like when I don't practice, it becomes harder to sit down. Like the longer I go without practicing, like I practice piano every day. I practice running five days a week. 
Uh-huh. When I miss a couple of days of playing piano, I never miss running, <laughs> but I always, <laughs> always seem to miss practicing piano. The longer I wait, the harder it is to go sit back down and try again because I know how far I have fallen back. So talk to us about this whole, this beautiful thing that you say about how all this practice is intertwined and how it helps with self-belief and self-creativity and discovery. Yeah, I mean, that's such like a big question, but I feel, no, it's okay. I just, I I don't know if I can like do it total justice, but I'm going to try. Um, (laughs) I guess, like, I think you're completely right. Like, it's sort of like, you know, the, what we things will feed off of themselves. So if we stop, like it's, it's physics, right? Like mm-hmm. it's much harder to get, to get going again. Um, but you know, if you try to do a little bit each day, then it becomes part of who you are. Um, and I think taking off the, uh, like thinking about it, having a result is really important. Like you're not doing it for a specific outcome. You're doing it because engaging in the process brings you joy. If I am thinking about what pace I have to run or what the finished product of my art piece needs to look like, I'm not in it. I'm like somewhere else. And it's not a feel good place, you know, and it's work the ability even to practice. And so I think, you know, stepping back and allowing it to just be that. I mean, I think like a lot of people, they people don't really think about running or art as being a practice in the same way they do. Like when someone's like, I practice yoga mm-hmm. or I practice meditation, but I think they're in the same family, you know? And so just letting yourself be where you are and engaging in it, you know, some of, sometimes, especially if you have stopped for a while, I think it does require like, you know, mood follows action, just do the thing mm-hmm. and then things will start to flow. Um, and, you know, it's not going to feel great every time, but your belief in the process itself will keep you showing up on the days when, you know, it doesn't feel awesome. Jess, I think you did that beautiful justice, by the way. I mean, gee whiz, I took, you just, when you try to do just a little bit of something every day, it becomes a part of who you are. And if you're doing it for any other reasons than to engage in the process, if you're thinking about the product, then it's not going to bring you joy. And mood follows action. Just do the thing. Like exclamation point, exclamation point. (laughs) Gee whiz, that's perfect. Thank you for sharing that. Oh my gosh, of course. <laughs> Such a helpful tool. And I just think it's so cool to illuminate how you've taken these things that bring you joy, creativity and movement and turned it into a career because it's never too late to try something new. Like what are you, you're 46, 47 doing another new thing. That's cool. I hope you do lots of new things. I can't wait to follow the journey. I, I, I think like I've said that to my, my daughter who is 17. I'm like, just I don't want to get stuck. I want to stay open, you know, like why not? You know, when I started coaching running, like it, now there's a lot of people coaching runners who are, you know, not just like collegiate coaches or pro runner coaches, but people like me, you know, but back then it just wasn't really a thing. It was weird in like a lot of people's brains, Um, you know, like you're you're a running coach like you know you run in high school you didn't run in college and you're coaching people why not 
why not? If you didn't have formal training in art, like, but it makes you feel alive and it connects things that are meaningful for other people and brings both you and others joy. Why not? Mm -hmm. Why not make art for runners? Totally weird. If you think about it in some ways, but like weird is kind of cool. Like try the thing, do the thing, you know, I know the rabbit thing that I'm doing. Like I, I have been painting or drawing a rabbit every, um, first of the month, uh, for over almost seven years. Did you know that? I, yeah, I, I've been watching all your rabbits. I actually, so that's funny. a whole nother story. We'll talk about that story. offline. But I like, but it is like so strange. And at first I was just like showing them to people like, here's my rabbit, 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 first of the month, happy, you know? And I just thought, well, I don't know. I'm just sharing it because it's part of who I am. I know it is. It's the pace of you. Love it, But people love it. And then they're like, are you going to turn your rabbits into a calendar or, you know, are you going to sell your rabbits? And I'm like, I, this is just Uh what I do. I don't know. I have not thought about that. And I don't know if that is ever anything that I will do. And, but it doesn't make doing the thing any less meaningful. You don't have to turn it into a career. You don't have to make it have like a dollar amount value to it. It can just be something that makes you a better you and makes you live life more fully. Right. So good. That's, that's the message that I want to send to the world. Just paint the rabbit. Just paint the sinking rabbit. Do the rabbit. To it. Oh, that was so nerdy. Sorry. <laughs> I love it. No, it's perfect. You have shared so authentically. I, I want to wrap up and ask you the, the end of show questions. Yeah. Mostly because I just want to know, what is the best or most recent book that you've read? So I just finished last weekend Nelson Mandela's autobiography called mm. Long Walk to Freedom. Have you read it? Mm-mm. So good. Um, it is like I, almost 700 pages or 700 pages. It's very long, um, but it didn't it, it didn't read like a history lesson. It, it was so personal and it, amazing, amazing. I I wish it wasn't over. <laughs> oh, those are the best kind of books. That he's an amazing person. He changed the way so many people saw the world and he was a spark yeah he was a spark and you know what he talked a lot about the importance of exercise and movement in his life um which I wasn't expecting but of course maybe certain things like that jump out at the page Mm -hmm. when you know like I didn't take it for granted I was like how he would run in place in his prison cell to do his runs like he knew how important the movement was for him and his like the vitality. And I mean, he was in prison for 29 years of his life. So anyway, that is a definite, I recommend it very much. There is apparently a movie about it. Someone just told me, um, but I haven't seen it, but if you're not up for like a 700 page book, um, I say, just try it. Cause it's very good <laughs> too, but he was a person they didn't know enough about. And I love memoirs. So I'm, always reading them. Um, that's that's awesome. Yeah. Long walk to freedom. Thanks for sharing what or who is illuminating or inspiring you right now. Well, Nelson Mandela, but, um, (laughs) (laughs) perfect segue. Uh, I'll go with Lizzo really. Yeah. right now I love her special, um, song special. Yes. <laughs> and I just, I, I, we actually, I bought tickets to her concert this morning for my, 
I don't think my daughter will listen to this, but I got tickets for us to go see her in May. She's coming to Raleigh, which is like, you know, these stars, they get so big and then they don't, they don't come to Raleigh anymore. So I'm so excited. She's coming here. Yeah. I think think she's so fabulous. (laughs) She's a musical creative in every possible sense of the word. That's awesome. Yay. I want to see pictures of the Lizzo concert. That'll be awesome. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. So what is an organization that you would like to illuminate? Well, I am going to go with my friend Andrea's foundation. It's called Team Dre. Uh, you probably saw some of this on my Instagram. Andrea has ALS and she is uh, just, I think she's 41 now, but she was diagnosed when she was 33 with this disease. It's a horrible, horrible disease for people that don't know. It's a degenerative neurological disease. So, um, you know, most people after diagnosis, they only live two to five years Andrea just celebrated her eighth year since her diagnosis. And um, it's pretty remarkable, but she has done a ton to raise awareness and funds to uh, awareness of the disease and then funds to really support research um, that, you know, she describes as progressive and bold research to find a cure, not just to make their lives more, you know, uh, comfortable until they die. Cause they're going to die soon, but to change that. Um, and she actually just completed her goal of doing a marathon in all 50 States on her recumbent trike. Wow. Um, so amazing. I got to go to Nevada with her when she did Nevada. Um, and they actually are making a documentary of her journey and it, they submitted it to the Sundance film festival. So that, I think she told me it's being, I forget what, how they describe when a movie gets, mm, yeah, I don't punched, understand that either. whatever the there it'll be in out, I think in time for her birthday in February. So, um, but anyway, she's incredible. She has a website, teamdre.org and, um, she's literally the bravest, most amazing person that I have had come into my life, which was another story for another day. But um, I would like to illuminate her. I love it. Team Dre. Thank you for sharing that story too. I can't believe it's the last question. What is the message you want to send to the world? (laughs) Do the thing. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, like just, I mean, kind of, I guess that is it. Like, you know, Try to have awareness of, you know, what lights you up, what sparks you inside and be open to that and give it a try. Try not to judge it as being to this or to that or should this or should that. Just um, put it into action and trust, trust that, um, trust the growth that can come from that and where the journey can be. I love it. Jess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast and talking. Thank you for having me. (laughs) It was really great to be here and to see you. All right, my friends. What did you think of this one? I personally loved the quote that mood follows action. Just do the thing. I also loved when she was talking about you have to do the thing. You have to have an awareness of what sparks you and be willing to give it a try without judgment. And put it into action and trust the journey. Whatever happens, happens. Because like she said in the very beginning, it's never wrong. 
because it's just you. I hope you've enjoyed hearing this story. Thank you for supporting the Illuminate podcast and allowing us to illuminate awesome stories like this. Whatever you're doing today, I hope you know that you are doing awesome things and the world is brighter because you're in it. I'll see you next time.